You are listening to the Critical Mass Radio Show, Orange County's business talk show focused on exploring topics of interest to CEOs who are leading middle market companies with your host, Richard Franzi. Hello, you are listening to Orange County's longest running business talk show, and I am your host, Rick Franzi. We have a great show planned for you today. Why do you ask? Because we have a great guest, Nicole Andrews, who is the CEO of FastApp. Welcome to the show, Nicole. Thank you so much, Rick, for having me. I really appreciate it. So you're the CEO of FastApp. Let me ask you, what first attracted you to join the team at FastApp? I think it was business growth. Um, everybody always wants to further their career. And um, I had worked for and had businesses prior to FastApp and enjoyed having my own businesses as much work as it is to own your own business. Um, and so I had worked in the industry a long time and just decided that it was time to take it to another level. So let's let's talk about what it is that FastApp does. And then I'm going to ask you how you've kind of adjusted the business model, changed things since you became the CEO. But before we talk about the changes that you've developed, let's talk about what it is that your firm does. So FastApp is a nationwide appraisal management company. And appraisal management companies, as we all know, came in in 2009. The law uh, changed and uh, due to Frank Dodd. And we had to have a middleman between the lenders and the appraisers. And the reason for that was to try to get some separation between the two so that there would be no in due influence um, on the appraisers when they did their value on people's homes, on borrowers' homes. So the lenders could not have their hand in that or loan officers, AEs, whatever the case may be, to somehow influence the appraiser on the value. Because we all know, I mean, appraisers look at a home that's being sold at $1 million, And what is the first thing they think is that the home should be worth $1 million because somebody's willing to buy it. And kind of when a loan officer goes to them and says, I have this property and the borrower thinks it's worth a million. Well, the first thing the appraiser's been thinking is that the property's worth a million. So there's just, you know, needing uh, some separation due to the things that happened um, in hopes of having a real true value based on what the market, what was happening in the market. So that's what an appraisal management company is. We're just the management team between those two parties to keep the separation between them. So uh, I learned something from you already, and that is that this uh, this industry that you are, your firm is a leader in really came out of legislation that was from the Great Recession, the housing crisis, and that from the 2007 decline. Absolutely. Yeah. So before that, there wasn't this separation, nor this need for an organization such as yours, potentially? Well, that's kind of a myth. To be honest okay. with you, there okay. was a lot of appraisal management companies out there prior to 2007. Uh, oh. J.P. Morgan Chase, who was basically a lender at that time, used an appraisal management company. A lot of the firms, Wells Fargo, obviously being a large bank, um, they had in-house staff appraisers that they used, but oh. very similar and kept the separation. So um, no, it's a bit of a myth that AMCs were then developed during that time. Now, licensing was developed during that time. And for sure, that was the time that it became that all lenders had to use one. But no, appraisal management companies were around, excuse me, <clears throat> a long time ago. Okay. So they were definitely around prior to 2009. Okay. So... 
tell me what has what have you done as the CEO in evolving the business or making pivots or changing it? What is it that you have done to kind of take the business to the next level? I think the biggest thing that I've done um, with FastApp is to really try to um, gain our clients' trust. I think mm -hmm. that um, what I've seen in the industry is most of the appraisal management companies don't have the trust of either the appraisers or the lenders who are both mm. our clients really if we're being honest and i think you know my focus was really on that was to develop relationships with appraisers throughout years um, of having talks with them and keeping my team really abreast to speaking with appraisers constantly and then having that same kind of relationship with our lenders as well and listening to what their needs were so that we could bridge that gap between the two parties. And I think that's really where I made the biggest change at FastApp. Okay, so I'm gonna dig a little bit deeper into your business sure. model so that the audience and I have a good understanding for all that you're dealing with. So you said in the beginning, FastApp is a national organization. Correct. Which means- in all 50 states. You must need a network then of appraisers because the appraisers are independent business people, right? Absolutely. They're 1099. So uh, how, how do you t tell us a little bit about how you as the CEO ensure that in all these markets for all these different, uh, you know, you have the outreach right programs, just like we were kind of talking um, prior, you know, a lot of outreach programs and making sure that our CS people are picking up the phone, talking to the appraisers, um, our review staff are doing the same thing. When they have a problem, they're asking appraisers through our portal system to give them a call and ensure that we're answering the questions that need to be answered and making somebody available to all of those parties so that they trust us. And I've been around 30, well, 27 years now. So I knew a lot of people prior to okay. coming to FastApp and I have relationships. I mean, I could pick up the phone in pretty much any county, and I'm not even joking you, and then the wow. United States, there's probably a couple of states where <laughs> I don't personally know somebody, but I have a huge list of appraisers that I've been working with for a decade. And those appraisers, I have great relationships with. When I need a favor for somebody to go do a two-day turn time, in Colorado, somewhere in Colorado, I can get it done tomorrow because I know appraisers that I've worked with for years and years, and it might not be two days, let's be honest, but I can get <laughs> it done for you in a rush. Okay. Uh, so, so um, is there a tech, is this a technology based play? Is this a relationship? Is it a hybrid between the two? Cause I'm just imagining there's um, there must, it's, it sounds simple on the surface, but pretty complicated kind of underneath it to really, do the matchmaking and have the people available when the work is needed, et cetera. Well, we, we utilize all of those things, right? Like we have a platform in which we utilize to, um, to run the appraisals, so to speak. Um, it comes in, it's, it's ordered on the system. A lot of it's automated. So we mm -hmm. utilize a portal system to um, run the appraisal. Um, and then we have relationships as well. We assign it to the appraiser. If the appraiser has a problem, they can call in, they can talk to our chief appraiser, they can talk to me directly if they need to. They have questions, same with the lenders. But you have to have a system that is in between those two things to again, separate and ensure that if the lender has a question, they send the question through the portal. And then 
the appraiser gets that question, but first somebody has to review that question to ensure that the question is appropriate, mm. that they're not, the lender's not putting a question in the portal <laughs> that says, my property should be evaluated for a million dollars. Can you make sure that's done? And then all of a sudden that's sent to the appraiser. So there has to be a human being in between those two parties to make sure again, that everything runs the way that it's supposed to. Oh, that's interesting. And I'm sure many people that are listening either live today or in the future on a podcast, you know, this is the kind of thing that in America, a lot of people own their homes. They've been through the process of buying. They know how important the appraisal is to the loan and the, you know, all the rest of the, it's an anchor around which really the deal gets done in many, many cases. So off script, you, your company must be seeing a lot of appraisals being done and get a sense for how the the national housing market is doing based on the work that your appraisers are doing too. Then, huh? Absolutely. I mean, I have a pulse basically, as you stated on, you know, the industry as a whole, because of what I see every day, I must look at 10 appraisals a day for one reason or another, and they are all over the country. So it could be Tennessee, you know, in an hour. And then after that, it could be California. And I'm looking at appraisals for different reasons. But then I'm like, wow, in, you know, Orange County, California, you know, maybe in Orange, an appraisal just came in at 800,000. That's kind of interesting. I wonder why, you know, in this market, it's not going up even further. Or yet in Tennessee, the market is on fire right now. And almost every county of Tennessee, um, the price is increasing on a daily basis. Wow. more like monthly, but you know what I mean, yeah, uh, I for the dramatics. Um, but yeah, I mean, across the country, I see every day what's happening in the market. So and then last... of I'm reading like everybody else. Well, yeah, you're, it's your profession. I, um, I met, didn't mean to interrupt you, um, but last week, Nicole, I went to the Cal State Fullerton Woods Economic Center annual uh, economic outlook. They did happen to mention, obviously, the rate hikes that the Fed has put into place and what that has done across the board to the economy. But specifically in your niche, in your industry, what have you observed as the CEO of FastApp, the, the impact of these rate increases on your business? Well, of course, it's uh, immediately slowed the economy or the market, our market down. Um, obvi obviously, people aren't refinancing like they were like crazy. Why do they want to refinance when the interest rates are up? But um, then you have, you know, another uh, theory of thought, which is that, you know, why the interest rates are up, the housing prices are coming down, which isn't necessarily true right now in this economy um we're still seeing areas um, new york's one of them where the you know the value is just staying high and in california we're another one where it's just not going down there's areas where it's still increasing now we did at the end of last year i think most economics uh economists would tell you that we saw somewhat of a slowing during that period but then after the first of the year, it was slow. And then March sometime, certain areas started increasing again. So yes, have we seen a slowing as a whole, as an industry? Absolutely. You know, you're not as many people are refinancing. Practically no one is unless they need it for some reason or another. 
the sell of property is not happening happening as often as it was. Um, you still have situational things where, let's be honest, you know, divorce and um, death in family, um, job change, reasons why people are leaving and have to sell their home even though they don't want to. Um, so we are seeing movement still, but the, the our industry as a whole is slow. And that's what the hike in the interest rate did for us. It slowed it, everything down. It, it, it Basic economics, supply and demand. At the end of Absolutely. the day, it's supply and demand. And we can complicate business in a lot of different ways. But um, in the housing market, the supply needs to you know, meet or equal the demand and vice versa, or else you have this equal, you know, it's imbalance that's in the space. And interest rates are, I've had real estate agents on, I think the, I don't want to misquote them, but they sort of say, uh, marry the house and date the rate. In other words, yep. you know, the rates change. So, you know, don't overdramat. It's a good thing. I have been in the housing market for many a decade, and I can remember interest rates that were significantly higher than what they are today. Uh, although there's a whole group of buyers that have never seen this. I thought when it was higher. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. It's very, very common in the past. So just what, to touch on that a little bit, I mean, obviously we're in shortage housing market right now is in shortage. And so we are seeing a lot of movement on the private money side where people are building to try to catch up, you know, the supply that's that's not there right now. Um, so yes, I mean, it's definitely, it's a different market than it's ever been before, which is always the way it, it goes, right? Every 10 to 20 years, we see some kind of fluctuation and whatever way it goes, it's always different. And um, I've heard all kinds of theories on why it is the way that it is this time. But, um, you know, I mean, the reality is it's slowed and we're all seeing that whether we like to admit it or not, there is a slowing. Um, but there's still good business out there to be had for our industry. So that's good, too. Yeah, I, I, you have a national perspective. I've got a very parochial Orange County drive around, see what's happening. And but what I have seen are f much fewer for sale signs, but Absolutely. they don't stay out very long. Yeah, like they're still going pretty quickly because I think to your point, the supply is so constricted that when something does come up. Absolutely. And people are, um, you know, it's when the economy is this way and the rate is high, people think nobody's going to want to buy my house. Why would I sell right now? I'm going to get less money. But that, I mean, real estate agents are out there beating feet right now and explaining that is not the case. Put your house up for sale and it will probably sell over what you asked for it. Right. Um, and there are some old school people that I, I've heard that have said, you know, oh, you know, I'm not advising, you know, so-and-so to sell right now because the market is slowing. And I'm like, oh, I don't know that that's true right now, because really, I mean, we just don't have the supply of houses and there's people that want to buy that can't and who are priced out, um, because of obviously with the rate being higher, you know, to touch on that, you know, you have your standard college graduate kid. And let's talk in Orange County, you know, the median price, I think in Orange County, if I'm going to remember right, I think it was seven something. Um, That's a lot of money at 8% interest rate, right? right? Yeah. That's a high mortgage. How could a college graduate afford to buy a house at 700,000 with an 8% interest rate? And most of them can't afford it. 
So that's another reason why people aren't, you know, they're not going to purchase, not right now, but if they can afford to, or they can get help from their parents or whatever, what your agent said is very true because you date your rate. So in two years, three years, four years, you'll refi that house at 5%. And guess what? Your mortgage payment will be great then. You'll be so happy you did. You'll be happy. 5%. Yeah. I'm so happy. <laughs> yeah, because that yeah. same house will probably be median at 820, right? Right. So it is amazing. If you can afford to do it, it's still a good time to buy. So you're giving good advice. And I'm wondering if you could reflect on maybe a piece of business advice that someone else gave to you that has been foundational or at least helpful for you in your career. If there is something like that, Nicole, could could you share it with our audience? Sure. I think um, the best piece of advice um, that I've ever gotten from another entrepreneur was stay diverse. And I think when you're in business, if you do one thing, that's a very scary thing. But if you can be diverse in what you do or how you do it, um, I think you you stay more relevant to any market because you have many things that you're putting your hand in. So I would say the best piece of advice I've ever received was to be diverse in whatever you do. I love asking that question because I never know what the answer is going to be. And many times, and usually it's something I, I can learn from. And you certainly gave me something that makes perfect sense. And awesome. it's something that I'd be willing to pass yeah. along, especially to early stage young people who are getting into the business world. It's yes, because it's so important, especially now with everything that you have going on. I mean, I mean, we have to be forward thinkers, right? Entrepreneurs are definitely forward thinking people. You've got to be thinking about six months ahead instead of six months behind, like some people would like to do or stick their head in the sand, I guess I should say. But, um, you know, you've got to be thinking about what's around the corner, what's coming, because that is where you need to be. Right. And if you're going to stay alive and you're going to stay relevant, you've got to be thinking six months ahead of what you're doing right now. You're just such a great guest because you've led me perfectly to the next question that I wanted to ask you, which <laughs> is artificial intelligence. I, th I think that's an example of how oh, we boy. could really change people's jobs and work. And, you know, maybe your job is no longer necessary at some point, in the, not yours, but a person with because sure. of AI. But how do you view AI and what's the impact that you're starting to see in your industry, if any? Um, so it definitely is going to impact my industry just to like put the question answer right out there. Um, AI is definitely going to impact my industry. Um, and I mean, I have to be honest, I came into this industry a long time ago and I was told at that time that eventually appraisers wouldn't be needed, that eventually the, you know, automation was going to catch up and appraisers wouldn't be needed. Well, we're still here. 27 years later. So I will probably definitely be buried and gone before it <laughs> takes over, which is good news for the young people that are getting into the industry now or sure. the people that I would like to encourage to get into the industry right now because we need appraisers. Um, and it's a job a lot of people don't think about, but appraisers are needed. But to go back to your question of AI, um, it's going to affect the industry in a whole as I just stated, it's going to automate things. Um, you already have an, what's called an AVM, an automated value uh, model um, module, which is uh, a way of getting a quick value on a property. You know Zillow. Zillow's a, 
automated valuation model module. Um, and I think that that is going to become more prevalent in the industry. And I think that it's going to become better. Zillow is not great at it, mm-hmm. but um, sorry, Zillow. Um, but there are ways in which AI will eventually help with that. And I also think that it's moving things forward um, platform wise, making people think forward towards ways of getting uh, inspections in homes. Um, We now have Google Earth that, you know, you have a picture of a house. And so now you can see a little bit of what's going on and in the neighborhood and things like that where, you know, 15 years ago, you really didn't. You didn't have that pulse on what a neighborhood looked like and things like that. And that's very important important for an appraiser to um, assess the area. And with Google Earth and the changes that happened there, you can really see that. You can see if somebody has a telephone pole in their backyard, whereas before you couldn't see things like that. So um, the, the industry as a whole is definitely moving forward. And AI is definitely going to be a big part of that. And I think that if if you're not on board with that, then you better sell your business now because it's coming. Fannie is, you know, looking at ways of doing things. And so are all the agencies, you know, everybody's looking at ways because we have an aging force and that's a problem mm-hmm. too. Um, I'm young at 55. Um, for an appraiser. I think the average age of an appraiser right now is 62, I heard recently. And I'm like, oh my gosh, like we're getting older, right? And we need younger people to come into the industry and take over. And I think they don't because of the way that everybody's talked in our industry for years and years, which is that everything would eventually be automated. But you never can get what an appraiser will do, which is to go into a home know an area, be geo-competent to that area. I see so many bad appraisals where somebody who comes from Santa Ana to Newport Beach and looks at a Balboa Island appraisal and and tries to appraise a home on Balboa Island, and they just don't know exactly, you know, what is happening there, that how much a dock is worth or you know, how much a flag lot can be worth. And the same thing goes for an appraiser who's in Newport Beach and tries to go to Santa Ana and doesn't understand how valuable an ADU is in Santa Ana. Um, So those two people can't cross and no automated um, model is module is ever going to be, if I can get that word down today, is ever going to be able to take that over and think like a person. So as much as I think it will influence our industry, um, especially in the next five years, I don't think that it can ever really take over for us. So you're, you're just dispensing all kinds of knowledge here today, Nicole. I just picked up a new phrase or term, geocompetent. I never, never heard of that before, but now I, now I can work that into my lexicon. So I'm expanding my, uh, my vocabulary here from having you on the show. Let's talk Glad about that. Help. Oh, thank you. Uh, let's talk about the future, Nicole. Sure. I'm going to have you have you back on the show at some point. What's going to be different? Where are you taking FastApp? What do you see as the opportunity for the business? 
I hope to take FastApp to be um, the number one nationwide appraisal management company in the United States. And the way that I'm going to take it there is by definitely um, getting on board with a lot of the automated things that we need to be able to do and to um, give credibility to our industry. Um, I think that as as an industry as a whole, we just don't have credibility anymore. And somewhere along the lines, we lost that. And I would love to bring the credibility back to our industry. Um, and um, by having a company that thinks that way, I think that we can definitely um, change things. So, I mean, that's where I would like to go is obviously to be the number one, just like everybody, right? I no. want to win the basketball game. I want to win the football game. And I definitely want to be number one. Well, I, I'll, commend, I'll commend you for that because uh, I've worked with and interviewed tons of folks and not every, surprisingly, not every entrepreneur wants that, has that big of a vision for their company. And I applaud you for having that. And I'm competitive. It's, it's uh, whether you think you can or you think you can't. I mean, that's the first step to being number one is to believe you can be and then take action to become that. If someone would like to reach out to you and why wouldn't they? after listening to you today here on our show, or learn more about FastApp, where do you suggest they go? How do they do it? Well, um, our website, obviously, www.fastapp, F as in Frank, A as in Apple, S as in Sam, T as in Tom, A as in Apple, P as in Paul, P as in Paul.com, fastapp.com, or reach out to me, Nicole, N-I-C-O-L-E, no H, at fastapp.com. Um, or text or call me, 949-510-8364. I'd prefer email, but you can text or call me. So I promised you at the top of the show that we were going to have a great show, and you did not disappoint. This was thoroughly enjoyable. Thank you, Nicole, for giving us some thank of your you, time Rick. today. And I'd like to thank the audience. You've just been a part of Orange County's longest-running business talk show. Nicole's show is now a part of our archives. And we have over 1,400 interviews that we've collected over the years here in Orange County. If you happen to be an Orange County entrepreneur with a story to tell, then connect with me on LinkedIn. I'm Rick, R-I-C, Franzi, F-R-A-N-Z-I. Or come to our website. It happens to be rickfranzi.com. And Haley and I will talk to you and sequence you into a future episode, possibly of Critical Mass Business Talk Show. And until the next time we have a chance to be together, I hope all of your business decisions will move your company in a positive direction.